I do want to welcome all those joining us online today. I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I serve as lead pastors here at Connection Point. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, no better place to be on a Sunday than in church. We can worship together and get a taste of eternity. That's really what we're doing. Uh, I do want to remind all of our church members that tonight is our annual membership meeting. And so we'd love to have you come back for that tonight at 630. Uh, be in prayer for uh, those that we elect as deacons. That's an important part of what we do. And I encourage you, as you leave from this place today, make sure to stop by the Main Street Theater to grab your annual report so you've got some time to look over that this afternoon. And, and of course, the great thing is we just really come back and celebrate all that God did in 2017. It's, it's a great time together. So come back for that. It's going to be an exciting time as we uh, just sit down and look to see what God's been doing here at Connection Point. Uh, before uh, Shelley and I came here to West Lafayette, we were in Jerusalem. And before living in Jerusalem, we were in Khartoum, Sudan. And uh, what we had done is, after we were in Sudan, we came back to the U.S. for the, the birth of our daughter, Haley. And so in between Sudan and Jerusalem, uh, we were back here. And when we came back to the U.S., we quickly realized uh, we were pretty tired, uh, exhausted, really, um, from a, a, a lot of hard work in a difficult environment. Um, we were pretty depleted. And, but what we found in the midst of our time in Sudan is, is we had been deconstructed. That's a term I like to use that... That refers to the fact that part of God's plan for our lives is the way that the Spirit of God leads us to the wilderness so that we can be gloriously deconstructed. Not that it's a glorious, fun process, it's not, uh, but for the fact that God wants to make us more glorious in His image so that He can invite us to the life that He's been preparing us for. Um, so I don't know where you find yourself today. Maybe you've had a, a similar experience. Maybe you've walked through um, something along those lines, the same kind of process. Or maybe you're just exploring the Christian faith and, and you're trying to figure out what it is to follow Jesus. Or, or maybe you've been in the church for a long time, but you've never really like fully committed yourself to it. You show up on Sundays, maybe you're in a small group, but you've never really wholeheartedly and obediently said, Jesus, I just want to follow you. But wherever you find yourself this morning, as we continue our series in Luke, we're going to jump into a passage today where Jesus gives a description of people in and his heart for them to hear the word of God, to respond, and to follow after it. And so he gives us some description of where people find themselves on that journey. And so I look forward to getting into that discussion today for us to examine, God, where are we, but where would you have us go? So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you do. I hope you have a Bible. <laughs> Somebody's waving their Bible up in the air like you just don't care. We hope you have a Bible. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, we want you to be in God's Word. Uh, there's one underneath your chair. You're welcome to take that home with you today. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 8. We left off last week. We covered the first three verses of Luke chapter 8. So now we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 8, verse 4. So I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word today. We're in Luke chapter 8. We're going to read verses 4 through 15. And when a great crowd was gathering... And people from town after town came to him. He said in a parable, so Jesus talking here, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. 
the ones along the path or those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, they hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. What we're going to discover today as we work through this passage is that living for God is better than living for yourself. Living for God is better than living for yourself. And the question is, well, why? Why is it better to live for God? Why is it better to live for God more than than to live for yourself? And from the parable we just read, what we find is those who are living for God, those who are good soil, they are the ones who have fruitful lives. Notice, no other soil bears fruit. Maybe another way to define that in, in language that would make sense today is those who are good soil, they live lives of true success. That would be another way to define it. People who are good soil, those who live for God, they lead extraordinary lives. I shared a series about that uh, last month, and that's what Jesus is talking about here with those who are good soil. So in short, living for God is the only way to live a fruitful life. That's what our passage tells us today. And the alternative to living for God is to live for yourself. And from our parable, we find people live for themselves in a couple of ways. They allow the enemy to steal the word of God from their heart. That's one way. The other way people live for themselves is that when hardship comes, they turn their back on God, they walk away. Another way people live for themselves is they got caught up in the things of this world, they're concerned about everything that this world has to offer, and so they walk away from God, they live for themselves. Living for yourself, when you look at this passage, what it shows us is it leads to ruin, to disappointment, and dissatisfaction. And if you don't believe the Bible, live enough years, and you'll find that's true. When you live for yourself, that is what the ending is. But living for God, it leads to a fruitful life, a life that really is successful according to uh, the kingdom of God. So the question is, well, how do you live a fruitful life? How do you live a successful life as defined by uh, what Jesus' words have to say? And you start by no longer exploring Christianity, by choosing to accept the invitation of Jesus to follow him. That's where you start. You live for God by choosing to believe. You live for God by choosing to believe. That's the starting point. As we look at this passage, I think it's important to understand who we are in this parable. So I'll just ask some questions. Are we the seed? Are we the seed in this parable? If you look at verse 11, the answer is no. God's word is the seed. Jesus defines that for us. Well, then we could ask, well, are we the sower? And I think you could apply this passage in that way, and and we'll do that later in the message, but it really starts out with Jesus serving as the sower. So Jesus is the sower, and the seed is God's word. That's how it starts with. So then who are we? We're the soil. In my uh, Bible, the ESV version I've got, the header is the parable of the sower. I actually think it'd be better labeled the parable of the soils, because that's really what Jesus is talking about here. He's basically trying to share, this is the conditions that you find in the soil of people's hearts, so examine yourself and where do you find yourself today? This is what Jesus is getting after. What kind of readiness does each one of us have to both hear and faithfully follow the word of God? 
That's what I want us to take a look at. And so the first type of soil that Jesus mentions is the soil along the path. And here's what he shared. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So that's the first soil type. Last month, I shared a message on fulfilling God's big dream. And I shared that in our community, there are different individuals in both their awareness and commitment to Jesus. I said that there's five levels. And I want to share those this morning because I think it will help me better explain what Jesus is talking about with the parables today. So the first level is level one, antagonistic, people who are hostile to the message of Jesus. Level two is disinterested. They're just indifferent. They just don't care a whole lot about the things of God. Level three are explorers, people that are curious about who Jesus is. Level four are believers. They believe in Jesus. And then level five are obedient followers of Jesus who follow Jesus by loving God and loving others. So five levels. So what I want to do this morning is talk about these soil types in the context of these five levels of of commitment to Jesus. And I'd liken the soil that we find on the path as those who have access to God's word, but who have not accepted the invitation to follow Jesus. So according to these levels, that would be the levels one, two, and three individuals. In our community, all of these individuals, if you think about it, they all have access to the word of God, but they've not decided to take hold of it. And the enemy, the devil, I want to mention here, he doesn't want them to take hold of it. That's part of what this parable shares. But can I share with you this morning, that's not the heart of God. Jesus desperately wants you to take hold of the message of Jesus. And how do I know that? Because of after Jesus shares the parable, what does he say? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's basically saying, look, if you've heard these words, respond. That's the heart of God as it relates to these soil types. If you're hearing the words of Jesus, let them take root. That's what God wants. No farmer wants to waste seed. You know, we've got farmers in our community. I can't imagine they go out and dump it in places that they're hoping, you know, it won't grow. No, that's not the heart of a farmer. And Jesus doesn't sow that way either. Jesus, the sower, he allows, think about this. He allows seed to fall on the path. He allows seed to fall on rocky soil. He allows seed to fall in the thorns. Why? Because his heart is everyone has opportunity to hear. You ever thought about that? I love that about this parable. Uh, You know, one of the things that, that people have found confusing about this passage, I'll mention this here, is the idea that Jesus spoke in parables to confuse people. You ever read those lines in that way? I have. I've been kind of confused by that. That was one of those struggles I had, like, I don't really understand. That doesn't seem like the heart of God that Jesus would speak in a way to confuse people, but when I read that passage, that's kind of what I'm gathering. So what I want to do is first explain that Jesus did not speak in parables to confuse people. It's important for us to know that. And the way I want to explain that is to go to to Matthew, um, where am I at? Matthew chapter 13, verses 2 through 23. So this is a parallel passage to what I just read in Luke. And Matthew helps us better understand why it is that Jesus speaks in parables. So I'm going to read verses 10 through 16. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? So again, same parable that was shared. The disciples are asking the question, and here's what Jesus says. And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So here's what Jesus is saying. Look, 
this crowd that I've been speaking to, they've been going to synagogue, they've seen the scrolls where God's word is explained, they hear it spoken from the teachers in the synagogue, but they still don't understand. So what I want to do is speak to them in parables, which was a common way for rabbinic teachers to teach in that that time period. Hebraic teaching included parables. So Jesus says, I'm going to use what's common to them, hoping they understand what I'm saying about the kingdom of God. I speak in parables because I want them to understand. Very different than saying I speak in parables because I don't want them to. So it's important we understand that. And here's what he continues with. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed. So he's saying as people have heard the scripture but not responded, they're starting to get dull. But here's what he says, lest... In other words, he's saying, my heart, Jesus' heart, God's heart, is that they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn so that I can heal them. This is the heart of God here. God's heart is for people to hear and understand and then follow God's word. It's really important that we start there today. If you're here today as a level three explorer, you've been curious about the Christian faith, but have never made a decision to follow Jesus, it starts with becoming a believer today. You've got to go there. God wants you to have a heart to hear. Living for God is better than living for yourself. And how do you live for God? You stop exploring and you start believing. And you also do so by living for God, by embracing hardship as the pathway to genuine faith. Here's an important point. You live for God by embracing hardship as the pathway to genuine faith. The second soil type that we find in our passage this morning is the soil type of rocky soil. And here's what Jesus shares. He says, And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. So that's the second soil type, that in a time of testing, people fall away. Uh, So I explained that before Shelley and I uh, came to a uh, connection point. We were in Jerusalem. Before Jerusalem, we were in Sudan. And then keep going, back it up. Before Sudan, Shelly and I were public school teachers in the Chicago area. So we were serving the local church as volunteer ministers. And I was a high school math teacher. Shelly was a kindergarten teacher. So if you weren't concerned about a dry erase board on the stage, you probably are now. How many want a math teacher teaching on a Sunday morning? Come on now. Let's get some calculus going. Hey, we've got some hands up. Woo! We've got other people running for the doors. (laughs) All right, so what I really want to explain, though, is what our life in Jesus looks like. I couldn't figure out a better way to do it than explain it on the board. Here is what you find in Scripture. You find it in the Old Testament. You find it in the New Testament. And I feel like it was important for us as we looked at this parable today to understand that when somebody makes a decision to follow Jesus, if along the bottom is the timeline of our following him and along the top, is our zeal and excitement for Jesus. So somebody makes a decision to follow Jesus. So they've come here today, they've been a level three explorer. They say, you know what? I don't want to stay there anymore. I'm making a decision to follow Jesus. So then now God starts growing their faith. But their faith doesn't quite yet match their excitement for Jesus. Like they're way up here, cloud nine, like, woo, Jesus is an awesome thing, you know? So they've got some serious zeal and excitement for who Jesus is. You know, and then they decide, I'm going to get water baptized. I want to follow Jesus obediently. So now their faith continues to grow, and they're still excited for Jesus. And then they're following, and, and they're uh, in classes at Purdue, and uh, they get an F on a test because they didn't study. They thought Jesus would help them. You know, so now they're not as excited to follow Jesus. But their faith is still growing. 
Excitement is lessening, but faith is still growing. Um, now they, they've graduated from Purdue. They're excited. You know, I've got the world in my hands. I'm going to find a job. They don't find a job. They move in with mom and dad. Their excitement keeps going down. Their faith continues to grow, but they're just not as excited. And then all of a sudden, God brings them a spouse. They're like, man, God is good. I found a spouse. And then they, they, they realize that, you know, that spouse gets to see who they are once they get married. So now their faith plummets again. They start having kids. They're like, man, God's growing my family. I'm so excited. And then all of a sudden, that kid becomes a three-year-old. He starts to mimic what dad says. And, oh, it sounds so much worse when a three-year-old says it than when I say it, you know. Here's what happens when we're following Jesus. We're excited to follow him, but God's bringing us to a place where our faith in him matches where he's really at in our lives. And I joke about a number of things that happen, but can I mention that in this space right here, there's lots of things that lead people there. It could be a spouse that walks away. It could be a job that no longer is there providing for a family. There can be all kinds of things that the spirit of God uses to lead us into the wilderness And it's important for us to realize God does it because he wants us to get to this place where he says, now that you're here, I can start to really grow your faith. And you can become a person with steadfastness. You can become a person of genuine and great faith. But the challenge is at this place is a lot of people, they drop out. This is the soil, the rocky soil, where hardship comes, challenges come, and people walk away. But can I tell you this morning, God's heart is not for you to walk away God's heart is for you to hold on to him like you've never known him before so that he can build in you character like you've never had so that you can look more and more like Jesus. So in this process here, what's happening is, I'm dropping pens. He's leading us into the wilderness for a process called glorious deconstruction because he wants to build in us a faith that matters. And how do I know this? Because here's what James, the brother of Jesus, writes. Here's what it says. James chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So even though you be crucified, you say, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to keep trusting in you, Jesus. I know, God, that you are good. And so God keeps building your faith, and he builds it not out of thin air, but he builds it out of real experience. And your faith continues to grow, and you keep growing and growing and growing in your faith in God. And what happens as you keep growing in your faith in God is now, all of a sudden, you find yourself back up where you began, but no longer is it just excitement for who Jesus is, but now it's actually real joy. And the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. And what I find interesting in this uh, aspect of following Jesus, that some are rocky soil and they turn away, is if they would just hold on. Because it's not until you've got to this point where Jesus can actually take you into the extraordinary. So we talked about extraordinary living. That doesn't happen until all of a sudden your faith matches your excitement and Jesus starts building your faith so that you can become a person of great faith. Does this make sense this morning? This is what God is talking about when he's talking about this parable. But he's not saying, I hope people have rocky soil that when hardship comes, they turn away. No, no, no. He's saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
so that if you're rocky soil, if you're on the path, if you're living amongst the thorns, can you start to cultivate good soil in your life so that I can make in you everything that I want you to be? Because what does it say about the good soil? Here's what it says. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with what? Patience. Patient faith is what's required. I love how the message says, these are the good hearts who seize the word and hold on no matter what, sticking with it until there's a harvest. There's a harvest coming if you just hold on. That's what God is saying. And how do I know that this is what God wants to do? He wants you to be a person of faith because here's what it says in Hebrews. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Keep seeking, keep knocking. Your faith will grow, your faith will grow, your faith will grow. We see this in the Old Testament, we see it in the New Testament. When you look at the life of Job, if you don't know the story of Job, Job is a person who gets to this dropout point, but he says, God, I'm gonna hold on and I'm gonna be faithful. And here's what he says in Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Can I put that in New Testament terminology? Though I be crucified, I will hope in God. That's what he's saying. You look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here's what it says in Daniel 3. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, and bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able. Our God is able. We need to know those words. To deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But here's what's really cool about what they say. They know God is able, but here's what they say. But if not, even if God chooses not to take me out, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That's the kind of tenacity required. When hardship comes, you say, God, I'm gonna hold on. I trust in you. Shelly and I were uh, invited to the Mercy Me concert at Purdue last weekend, and, and one of the songs they shared, I felt like, man, that is such a good description of exactly this, that even if bad things come and you don't pluck me out like I want you to, I'm gonna trust in you. I'm gonna trust in you, God. If we could share that song. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, Right now I'm losing bad I've stood on this stage night after night Reminding the broken it'll be alright But right now, oh right now I just can't It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring Say when 
room this morning. I just want to ask, I want to pause here, we're going to continue with the message, but if you find yourself in a place this morning where you wanted to drop out, you're in a place where even today you're like, God, I just, I don't know that I care to come back even next week, I've been struggling. Or maybe you you dropped out years ago and now you find yourself in here this morning, you're wondering why and, and you realize God wanted you here because he wants you to know. His heart is that you don't drop out. He wants you to hold on. If I could just stop and pray with each and every one in this room this morning, if that's you this morning, you'd say, that's me, I'm in that place of dropping out, but 
I, I want to hold on. I need that strength. Just raise your hand this morning. I want to pray with you before we go on into the next point this morning. Anybody here today that say that's me? I was in a place of dropout. We've got some over here on the left and other places as well. We've got several hands up. Let me just pray with you today. God, I just pray that you would instill hope and joy in the hearts of everyone in this room. And Lord, especially for those that raise their hands today, that are in this place of, of feeling like, God, I, I've had a hard time holding on. I want to drop out, but, but Jesus, I do trust you. I know, God, that you're a good father, and so I'm going to put my hope and faith and trust in you and hold on and hold out for joy and steadfastness. And so, God, I just pray this morning for those that maybe haven't walked into this part of following you that, that you've not led into the wilderness yet, I pray, Jesus, that you would help them recall this message when you do so that they can understand their job in the midst of that is simply to hold on, to call out your name, and to know that you are there. Jesus, sometimes you've got to lead us to a place where we come to the end of ourselves and find that you are everything we need. And so, God, I just pray that we wouldn't shortcut that process, but may we steadfastly walk through it, knowing, God, that joy is on the other side. So, Jesus, I pray for joy today, and I ask it in your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You live for God by embracing hardship as the pathway to genuine faith. And you live for God by no longer living for yourself. You live for God by no longer living for yourself. The third soil type we find in our passage this morning is a soil that's full of thorns or weeds. Jesus says, and as for the, what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Level four believers are people who have said yes to Jesus, but who are caught up with everything this world has to offer. That's a level four believer. And our American churches are full of these kinds of believers. I know it. People who come to church on Sunday, they might even be involved with small groups, they live good moral lives, but their concerns are really only for their family and friends and financial security. That's where their, their hope is caught up in. They're only marginally concerned with truly loving God and genuinely loving their neighbors. And so then the question is, well, how do you know? How can you examine your heart to know, God, where am I at in this? So that I can cultivate good soil because we first have to identify who we are. And you just look at the verse. It says, those who are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. I was thinking about that for Shelly and I. How, how could we fall into that kind of a soil type? I think about our kids. You know, we care about our kids. We love our kids. But the question is, well, do I care more about the safety of my kids than I do God's will for their life? even if it could take them far from home. That's, that's a consideration. Are we concerned about the cares of this life more than what God's heart is, his big dream being fulfilled? Another thought I had is uh, the, the, the soil of thorns. It talks about being concerned with the riches of life. Are we more concerned with our retirement accounts than we are the lost around the world? That's a consideration. Another one, you, you might be a soil full of thorns if you're more concerned with the car you drive, the house you live in, your provisions, more than your unchurched neighbor. Where are your concerns? But I want to say, even if you've identified patterns in your life that would show, man, I've got some of that soil in my life, Jesus has a heart for you. He's dropping the word of God. He's dropping seed into your heart. He wants you to be fruitful. That's God's heart for you. He wants you to find success in God's kingdom. That's why he's sharing this parable, so that you can hear and respond. And so then that's the question. Will you hear and respond to God's word? Will you live for God or will you live for yourself? That's a question to ask yourself today. 
Many level four believers, they're comfortable staying where they're at because they know they believe, so why worry about anything else? But can I caution you this morning that from the parable we see that level four believers, if they refuse to cultivate the soil of their hearts, they can actually lose what they have? I kind of glossed past those verses in Matthew, but here's what it said in Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has, will be taken away. And Jesus doesn't share that to scare you. He shares that to say, wake up. Where do you find yourself this morning? He who has ears to hear, hear and respond. So God's heart is for you not to stay where you're at. People who are good soil, they live for God by no longer living for themselves. And then people who are good soil... They live for God by faithfully following Jesus by way of long obedience in the same direction. People who live for God, they do so by long obedience in the same direction. And here's what we find as far as the third soil type, the good soil. It says, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word, they hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And I love to hear what kind of fruit do they bear? Incredible fruit. It says in Luke 8, 8, and some fell into the good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. So God's heart is that we grow and have a great yield, a fruitful yield. But do we have good soil where it can grow? You know, when Jesus shares um, these verses, he's, he's always sharing, as he's talking about a parable, he's talking about things that were true to life in the first century. He's talking about farming in the first century, so he's talking about terraces. That's the kind of farming Jesus is referring to. So I want to kind of give an illustration of this this morning. So if you look at um, the terrace, we've got a picture that can show you, and if you look at this picture, you're going to find four different types of soil. You could look and find a path. You could look and find rocky soil. You could look and find a soil of thorns. And you could also look and find good soil. So when Jesus is referring to farming, this is the picture people have in mind, and they know what he's referring to. He's referring to people way back here, and I'm in the dark on purpose. If you're in the path, guess what? You're living in darkness. And so as you progress in that terraced farmland, you move from the path into rocky soil, into thorny soil, and finally you get to the edge, which is deep, rich soil, and that's where the good soil is found. So what Jesus is saying is, do you have ears to hear what I'm saying, and can you respond? If you're on the path, I don't want you to stay there. If you're out here in the rocky soil, don't stay there. If you're over here in the thorns, don't stay there. Step into good soil. Take next steps in following Jesus. That's what he's referring to in the terrace farming. And I'll say that was the heart of the disciples. How did the disciples, Jesus says, that to you has been given the secrets to hear from the kingdom of God. And what was that? They spent extravagant time with Jesus. That's kind of the the picture of what we need to do. We need to spend an extravagant amount of time with Jesus every day. So where do you find yourself today? Are you back on the path? Are you in, living in rocky soil and thorny soil? Or have you stepped into the good soil today? Because living faithfully for God is better than living for yourself. Living faithfully for God is better than living for yourself because living for yourself, it leans to ruin, disappointment, and dissatisfaction. Scripture says it, live enough years and you'll find that's true. That's the end result of every other soil type that's not good soil. The further you go in, the more ready the soil of your heart, the greater the fruit that will develop. Staying on the edge keeps you from gaining everything that you're meant to be able to grab a hold of. So how do you develop good soil? 
you exhibit the core values that we have at Connection Point. And maybe you're new to the church and these are new to you. But I've, I've said many times, if you live out these five things, you're going to cultivate good soil in your life. I'm going to use a terminology from today's passage. And the first one's abide daily. Are you taking time with Jesus? That's what the disciples did. They were always hungry for more. So they didn't just want to hear the parable. They wanted to ask the question of what's the parable mean? So they were asking questions. You know, Jesus says, I must go so the Holy Spirit can come. He says, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. So what that looks like is reading scripture and spending time in prayer. Are you reading your Bible? And if you're not, you can start by reading a chapter of Luke every day. Start there. If you're not sure how to pray, grab a prayer guide in your seat back. It leads you through uh, scriptures that you can pray over. Second one there is live the word. How are you doing at loving God and loving others? Share the story of Jesus. Do you talk with Jesus about others? You give generously and you serve others. All of these things help cultivate good soil in your lives. And some of these actions, they actually have implications beyond yourself into the lives of others. I really think that's, that's an important part. You see, the application of this message today is to understand just as Jesus is a sower, so we can be sowers too. In fact, when you look at this list, a lot of these things that we do, we're helping to cultivate the soil of other people's lives. And what I'd like to talk about today is the, the aspect of giving generously. Last fall, we launched something called Kingdom Builders. Kingdom Builders is our effort to get behind what God is doing, both here locally, globally, and with the next generation as he builds his kingdom. So in September, we talked about the opportunity we had to be a kingdom builder locally, that we want to shine brightly here so we can shine far around the world. And so the opportunity we had is to move to two services. Of course, we're doing that now. And to help us with that, we wanted to add some parking and an extra drive so we could have people transition between services. So that was September. And then November, we talked about the opportunity we had to touch the world. And so we're raising funds to establish the church, to plant a church in Iraq. We're raising money to help establish a healthcare clinic in Tibet. We're raising funds to help cover transitional housing uh, for orphans in Africa. We're installing a water well system in the Dominican Republic. We're sponsoring Chi Alpha training seminars throughout Indonesia. And we're providing training materials for pastors in the Czech Republic. So these are all things we're doing through Kingdom Builders. So locally, globally, and the next generation as well. So what I want to encourage you today is to invest in the next generation. Uh, it's become well known that a lot of young adults, as they walk away from the church, and they turn their back on God. But that's not God's heart. So the question is, as a church, what are we doing to cultivate good soil in the lives of our youth and our young adults? And so I'm just going to mention a couple of things. We're doing a number of different things. Two that we're doing uh, more, more sooner than later is that next month we're taking a handful of young adults to Amman, Jordan, so that they can work alongside a church planning training center that exists there. And then we're going to take our high school seniors to Morocco in June so that they can see firsthand how their missions dollars are impacting the church in Morocco. And the reason we're doing trips, here's why, because when you change your location, when you change your pace, people's lives are changed. Over and over what we saw in overseas endeavors is people engaged in doing something in an overseas setting, it changed their perspective in life and it helped to cultivate good soil in their lives to serve God for a lifetime. So that's what we want to do and you're invited to be a part of that. I know many of you are already a part of Kingdom Builders and we want to thank you for that. I know some of you have said, well, I, I really want to do that, but I'm not sure how to. And so we've had a number of people in the church share testimonies of how God has enabled them to be a kingdom builder. And so I want you to hear one of those testimonies today from Michael and Shanna Ivey. So if we could share that testimony this morning. I'm Michael Ivey. I'm Shanna Ivey. We've been going to Connection Point Church for just about 20 years now. Shanna and I 
have been blessed over the years as we've obediently and faithfully been giving. And um, a couple years ago, the Lord really laid on my heart an amount that um, I felt that he wanted us to give every month. And it was a stretch. And so we talked about it when pastor was talking about kingdom builders. Um, we got to talking about, you know, so we're already at this level. Um, what do you think? And um, so, you know, honestly, I, I said, Shanna, you're going to have to give me a number. What do you think? Because um, I'm, I'm always ready to just dive in both feet and, you know, throw caution to the wind. But we really knew that the Lord had to tell us what the number needed to be. And, and um, surprisingly, Shanna looked at me and said, um, I think we should give more than twice that amount. And um, so we prayed about it for a couple days and both kind of looked at each other and said, yep, that's the right one. And uh, so that's what we committed to doing. And as soon as we started doing that, um, we just well, we just started seeing blessing. You know, uh, that whole amount um, quickly was available. Um, and even that much more has been added to us every month since. Everything that God has given us is just a gift. You know, it's not ours. Every opportunity and blessing He gives us is from Him. And so it was just being obedient and faithful and trusting that, okay, God, you've laid this number on our hearts or my heart. Um, and, you know, we want to honor you. And it's just been a blessing to see how He just, in little ways, not even big ways, just right. says, okay, you were faithful, you were obedient. It's in those moments where God can show up and work, you know, when, when you are promising in faith to give more than you know you actually have, um, that you can count on that. I know this much in my paycheck and I know these things are going to happen and I can reduce costs in these places, but when it's more, that's where God really shows up. And being comfortable in that small piece of faith, then grows not only the faith, but it, it grows opportunity for God to show up. And then that grows your testimony that you can turn around and share. I've seen what God has done and you then get to truly be a witness. I saw this happen in my life. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to not know because if it wasn't ours to begin with, then it's not our responsibility to come up with it. It's God's opportunity to bless us, to bless others, and truly grow us and bring us closer to Him. And that starts paying dividends in all of your walk across the board. It's neat to look back and just see God's story written in our lives, God's faithfulness. Um, it's not always been cupcakes and roses. Um, there's definitely been hard parts, and there's been times where, you know, never questioning you know whether to give but wow you know we we give we tithe but life is hard it's not fun um we're living in a a remodel phase of our house for the past you know five years but it's neat to look back and just see that god has been faithful and um just he just blesses